0: Good day, job. My name is Paul, and I am your host as always. Uh, today, I am very happy to report after a couple of uh, reschedules and near misses. I have Pathos and Logos from Colorado, I think. Guys, welcome to the That's show. That's right. All right, cool. <laughs>
1: Thanks, Paul. It's nice to finally get a chance to meet you, man.
0: For sure. Um, cool. So, let's start with, um, with uh, Pathos and Logos. You're missing ethos. So why why is Ethos not part of Pathos and Logos?
2: Well, Ethos actually invested in Apple in the 1980s, and he lives in a castle on a cloud now. <laughs> so we were on the wrong end of it. So. Yeah. He no longer has time for little prog. <laughs> our, our petty little games. <laughs> yeah. He's beyond all that now.
0: Cool. So, I mean, Pathos and Logos, I would invite... People to, to look it up and, and check out like the terms. Right. So is that something it's like reason and, and feeling right? That's the idea of, of what you're doing. So these are obviously conscious choices for you. So so why why were these terms important for for what you're doing?
2: You know what, Paul, actually hit the nail on the head with that. Um, depending on whether or not you're interpreting the words in a strict Greek translation, or if you're looking at it in the context of the rhetorical triangle, each of these words really has multiple meanings. But um, you kind of like read our minds there. Very what right. we intend when we think of those words is emotion and logic. Okay. Uh, because we feel that those two terms kind of best exemplify the music and the art that we make. Mm-hmm.
0: Cool. 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 So let, let's talk about the music and art. So you guys are a relatively new band. Um, you have a record called Glory to Order, which came out a couple of years ago. And you have a new thing called Cult, which which we're going to talk quite a lot about. But um, when I went back, you know, prepping for this and I went back in the first thing that struck me was, you know, again, a lot of modern metal has this precise feel, um, but there's a lot more than just the precision, like the, the mechanical precision to, to what you're doing. There's a ton of melody, which... I'm not sure why I wasn't expecting it, to be honest, but 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 I was surprised at the amount of melody and stuff that's happening. And one thing that um, the question here is the one thing I'm always surprised about is how creative guys like you can jam a bunch of disparate elements together and make something beautiful out of it. That's just because I come from a punk rock background, right? So it's it's three chords and and then you blast through it and you're and you're done. But that is not what you're doing. So how does like I don't understand how you can make beauty out of the chaos that you're doing. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Boy, that's a that's a good question. Yeah. I, I, I think maybe it just boils down to having equal influences from different genres, okay. yeah. because at the end of the day, we're not sitting down just listening to, you know, more of an angel. 24 7 uh although we do like more Yeah, a, not to sit not to suggest that we've never spent time in our lives right. listening to mormon <laughs> angel 24 7 exactly right? but that's not that's not all that it boils down to for us so um you know, I guess in an effort just not to get bored, you try and make an amalgamation of all that stuff to kind of put it together and make a nice little like dinty more beef stew out of all your influences (laughs) and uh, just keep it as tasty as possible, which is where the melody comes in. I, I would like to add to that actually that, um, so Kyle and I have been in
2: several bands together. Uh, they, you know, they either froze or they sort of like disintegrated, mm-hmm. and we ended up being the sort of the last two men standing, and decided right. that we were going to do this duo thing because we're finding that we're getting more done doing it in this format. Uh, one of the natural products of just being a drummer and a guitar player is that just naturally there's no singer, right. and so we're uh, we're unambiguously. You know, although we're trying to maintain stylistic diversity, we are definitely in the metal genre. Right. But we find, uh, again, no shade to singers. It's funny that this is the "Don't Quit Your Day Job" podcast. <laughs> we used to play. We used to play in a death metal band called "We All, we All Have, Have Day Jobs." <laughs> um, And we have uh, both of us mutually agreed that our buddy Max, who was the singer, he was, you know, like a a growler, the kind of the Glenn Bent from Deicide style. He's our favorite death metal singer, man. So definitely lots of love for singers. But the way that it worked out for us is without having um, a singer really in any style, uh, you know, adding a, a sort of an inflection or any kind of affectation to the music, it gives us certain freedoms that you don't traditionally have. If we decide we just want to have an entire section where, you know, it's a, it's a two, five, one, six and C and Kyle's playing clean with chorus. And I'm doing like up-tempo jazz stuff on the mm-hmm. ride in between big meaty chunky sections. Right. We sort of just get to make that choice. Mm-hmm.
0: Is is gent? If if someone says, "Man, pathos and logos," they're pretty genty. Is that a, a positive or a negative connotation these days?
1: I mean, I, I don't. It, I, I would still say positive. <laughs> I, I, we certainly don't take it negatively. Funny enough, that Paul would just make reference of we all have day jobs because when we played, and we all have day jobs. Uh, that was before the term gent was around, and we did actually on the inside of that CD sound out our instruments. They were Jun Jun's and Duga Duga's and Jun Jun's. <laughs> duga Duga and Jun Jun's. So if anybody were to say that we're gent, uh, I mean, man, we've been doing this. We've been doing this for a long time. That doesn't exactly. We have matter. our we have our hipster moment. We could we were doing it before it was
0: cool. Yeah, right. On.
2: right on. <laughs> we were doing it. We
1: were doing it at least before there was an
2: official name for it. Yeah, that's it fair again. to say. Before yeah. the term "gent" had been coined.
0: Yeah. So yeah. I'm gonna so. put this up on Blabbermouth, and I'm gonna say that Pathos and Logos claim that they invented uh, "gent." All right. So if that's cool with you for the for the headline just, for Blabbermouth. <laughs> <laughs> Make
2: sure that we did it very immodestly right. yeah, and that we uh,
1: hurled insults at every major act that was right. if, if you could also include like the size of our biceps and pieces, that would be fantastic.
0: <laughs> done. Done and done. Um, <laughs> so one of the other things that I find super interesting. So, again, using myself as an example, when you become an old punk rocker, you sort of go country or you go jazzy, right? So these are the uh-huh. two paths that that older punk rock guys go, and I I happen to go the the jazzy way, right? I like to listen to more jazzy stuff, not that I can play it at all, but but I but I do like it. And one of the things that struck me about you guys is there are these moments of incredible, beautiful jazz passages in, dropped in, as you were saying, dropped in the middle of some crazy bam, bam, bam part. And like, again, I'm astounded with, with how, right? How, how in your, what in your brain makes you go, yeah, this, this is the right spot for this.
2: So that's uh, actually a very interesting question. Uh, the best way I know how to describe that. Obviously, Kyle and I both, in our respective ways, touched on kind of a broad palette of stylistic influence. But um, like I said, Kyle and I have been playing together for a very long time, and we we're trying, trying to make stuff happen, experimenting with stuff in other projects, and the, it's almost as if all of our previous bands in one way or another sort of just functioned as this really protracted period of research and development okay. for yeah. Pathos and Logos. Right. If you view it through that lens, you know, there are precedents, there's, you know, cleaner or more delicate moments, in some of the early music that we made for sure. And so by the time that we get to the project, Pathos and logos that we're doing now, you we've had an opportunity to just kind of refine, mm-hmm. you know, find the spaces between the spaces and find the the moments and the situations where they they work well together. Yeah, um, yeah, just kind of an unusually long period of
1: trial and error trying <laughs> to sort of them together, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I like to think of our previous bands as our practice girlfriends. <laughs> and now, now that we're in pathos and logos, it's very serious. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, to, uh, to also elaborate on that, a lot of that has to do with specifically choosing the keys for the songs. If oh, you sure. know what the key of the song is, for example, uh, a song off of Glory to, uh, Glory to the Order called Daedalus is in the key of A. So if... We get to a natural part in the song where we want to slow the song down. Hey, we go with maybe a jazzy chord progression in the key of A, maybe like Paul was saying, a two-five, uh Yeah, two I, five I, one six.
0: I I have a jazz background,
2: right. so I I I I fucks with jazz, man. You'll find I'm sticking in some stuff in there. Um what about down.
0: Black Budget from that same that same record so Black Budget was the one where I was like holy shit this is legit amazing right this this part in the middle here
2: <laughs> and with this and- just black budget was actually one of pathos and logos earlier
1: tracks yeah i'm actually to tell you the truth it's been a while since i've actually listened <laughs> heard to that song. song i have to go back and listen to that song to even be on the same page paul's right that was one of our first songs um that we had released as pathos and logos that's a that's definitely a that's a baby song but but it's still i know that there was still like moments of you know, of cleanness or just everything. Right. You know, energetic peaks and valleys. Right. It's right. got the it's got the solo section in the middle, like the clean solo section right. in the middle. Now That's right. right. Okay. That, okay. Yeah. It took me a while to kind of go back there. Right. That was pre-pandemic, so all, everything right. that happened before. Everything pandemic. in the before right. times is, it, is murky now. Pre, yeah.
0: Prehistoric ages, right? There um, you go. So, so when you think about the the songs now, and you know, trying to represent your art in yourselves as an artist is it harder to sell or is it harder to get people interested in music when they know that, okay, here's a complex part, you know, for a guy that just wants to hear the brum, brum, brum part or the guy that just wants to hear like dream theater, Prague, right? How are you finding that space where you can find success again, whatever success might mean to you? Uh,
1: that's another really good question. Amazing um, question. Um, <laughs> it, and it's, it's interesting that you would be bringing it up now because we were recently picked up by a nice fella uh, named Scott from the New York airport on our trip out there. And Scott works for a particular uh, radio marketing company. And uh, he was telling us how we will have a rough time because we're an instrumental band, just because we do not have a singer. And so the it's, this is, I
2: think, There's this it's funny, we were just having a discussion about this about almost trying to um the concept of innovation or this the idea of trying to sort of sidestep the rat race and carve out your own path. Mm-hmm. Um, it's harder to do I think I don't think there's any two ways about that because you're going to be field testing or trying stuff that isn't vetted. Uh, there's an attraction to the idea of trying to walk the well-trod path because there's a certainty or the at least the sense of certainty in it. Um, the we made decisions. We, we kind of threw stuff against the wall to see what stuck, and we have had the good fortune of getting a lot of positive feedback. Uh, in addition to, obviously, our music influences and stuff, I'm about to show them the book. Should I show them the book? Show them the book? Paul, I'm going to show you the book. All right. Now, cool. now <laughs> so in addition to, obviously, um, just the spectrum of music that we're influenced by, the stuff that we really like, there is also an occult thing of our own creation, that we do, uh, it predates this band. We brought it into Pathos and Logos from a previous thing. You know, we as musicians, as artists, we've always felt almost a level of devotion in what we're doing that I think is very common with artists where it literally becomes almost like a religion. You know, it's, it's a way of life. It's a true lifestyle you immerse yourself in it. Well, we took that feeling And then added iconography, added a language of our own creation. Like, we're in the D&D zone right now, boys. (laughs) Like, we're here right now. Get your 20-sided fucking dice. Well, I'm I'm a
0: big Warhammer guy, so I can can do it.
2: (laughs) So, uh, particularly for the cult recording. Mm -hmm. So, Paul, I'm going to show this to you right now. This. Uh, as I have referred to it in a uh, prior uh, interviews, as this charming little Enchiridium, is what is, uh, we call it the Sanctum Inam. And it is basically a, for all intents and purposes, you know, a, uh, I don't know, a, 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 a tome That's that exactly we refer I mean. to that kind of has, like I said, it has a lot of iconography, a lot yeah. of the, the yeah, language cool. that we created yeah. in there. And what we did, let me get to the the part here, Uh, this, it it just kind of, it, it all sort of fell into place. We didn't really, we did not include this in our original vision for Pathos and Logos. This was meant to be private. And so the truth of the matter is, we, we do get questions about this. And some of the stuff that we put out that's related to this stuff on social media is absolutely for public consumption. And some of it will never be revealed for that very reason. Right. This was just a kind of a, a funny journey that we took uh, that was really for ourselves initially. But let me, let me just get to the, uh, as you can see here, there are sigils that we made yeah. that we have attached to certain rhythms and so by utilizing those rhythms in our music we are imbe- investing or imbuing the creation with the energy of the intention of that particular uh symbol that sigil wow. uh, yeah 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 so that the truth of the matter is is that the music on the cult record it's a you know it's it's not necessarily a source of inspiration you find all over the place i guess but it's a lot a Lot of it based on the sanctum and all, And uh, so needless to say, when you're making all of your music into a de facto magic spell by the music rhythms associated with sigils you created, right. you
0: don't know how people are going to react to that. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, you understand what I'm saying? It's, I definitely do. Getting, so novitiate then from from cult that has like a bunch of those signs like at the beginning of the video right so that's that's, that's right. the idea then
2: that's kind of where that stuff comes from okay it's every song by its design is essentially a for all intents and purposes a spell or a prayer of some kind and the record itself is meant to play out like an entire ritual okay the initiate into the order which is our sort of our. Name for our, uh, you know, the, the network of artists and musicians that you know we feel are like us, who are yeah. really devoted to what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You you start out as an initiate, and then by the time you arrive at the end, you become the eunuchs or the judge, kind of the master or arbiter of your own fate. And uh, so, dude, yeah, we didn't know what to expect. We we just sort of went out there and and, and tried it and explained. You know, depending on who you're talking to, not that stuff doesn't appeal to everybody. Right, Uh, and we—it's again, it's for us. It's not something that we're trying to force upon other people. We like to make people aware that it's a kind of a component in what we do. But this, it's it's definitely you know it's not for everybody.
0: But there will definitely be people that will be like like I said I'm a big Warhammer 40k fan and if there's anything in Warhammer it's the lore is insanely deep right so that's mm-hmm. this idea of there's more you just scratch the surface of your music and there's a lot more if you want to dive in there's a lot more that you could you could dive into um, yeah we we want people to come to it right. we don't want to you know right so. Right. So uh, talking about Novitiate a, a little bit, um, that song, right, it has that tapping part in the middle of it, but that song is so insanely catchy. Right. It's so, so melodic and so catchy. It's like, you know, if this if, if in, a, in a different universe, this is a gigantic like hit for for some pop artist because it's so catchy. Right. And, and again, I don't know what I'm interested in here is, again, how these layers of your art, how things are fitting together. So if you talk about like this tapping part, which immediately uh, stood out to me, you know, how mm-hmm. how does that just come into your brain, Kyle?
1: Uh, yeah, I you, I, I guess I, I wouldn't be able to tell you or I, I would be lying to you if I told you that just popped into my brain. Right. But um, there are a couple. So, you know, I probably should tell you, I, I, I was not a lead player up until Paul and I formed Pathos and Logos. I, I've always been the rhythm player. Um, and we've played with, you know, other lead guys. So... <clears throat> In an effort to really get up to speed with uh, what these cats are doing, like just coming right out of their bedrooms (laughs) at the age of like seven. Right. um, You know, I I needed to step up my game a little bit. So there are certain – techniques or certain, uh, like tropes that I'll go back to that I use quite a bit from song to song. Um, it's interesting that you brought up the song black budget because I do the exact same or a similar tapping part in black budget that you don't hear it very loudly, but it's just, it's a, it's a one, three, five, seven tapping technique. Uh, Just depending on what key you're in. So, novitiate in particular is in the key of C, if I recall correctly. Um, And so, yeah, it's just a one, three, five, seven tapping technique.
0: Right, so yeah. I mean, it's hard to analyze like what makes this song catchy because if anybody knew that shit, then everyone would be writing the most catchy song ever, right? But <laughs> um, it's true. But so it, it it comes from it comes from somewhere. Um, thinking about how you want to present yourselves to a live audience. I know that you do shows, so. You know, I don't I don't understand how it's possible for you to to bring your show. So you do you play to tracks? Do you have other people? You know, what's happening to to play in front of people?
1: So it's interesting that you would bring that up as well. In our previous bands, we would I don't want to say hire out, but we would have other guys or girls around, you know, the U.S. that we would just tap to come in and play leads for us or play bass and blah, 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 blah. We would go to the show. Uh, but that got exhausting coordinating adults' schedules all the damn time, especially with as much as Paul and I play out. Right. So it has at this point, it's been distilled down to Paul and I uh, and then a laptop. And on the laptop, it's just basically our, our studio sessions that you're hearing. Um, and that's I mean, there's not a whole lot on it, to tell you the truth. People are generally kind of surprised when they see that it's just like a a bass guitar track and then the rhythms. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I go to take a solo or if I'm taking a lead, um, I used to use a looper pedal, you know, where I would start off the song. But I wanted to get away from having to play a particular riff first, right? Like, for instance in novitiate that tapping part comes in after it doesn't come in right away there's a whole you know section before it and that's because you get used to playing with the damn looper pedal you feel like you got to play the rhythm part so but I, i got tired of that so now we can just have the rhythms click over immediately when i'm ready to go for a lead and it it makes travel a whole lot yeah, easier as
0: yeah,
1: well. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, to answer your question, I know a lot of people kind of frown on that, uh, but we do it out of necessity. And I, I mean, we could still play the set without the laptop. You know, it's not. Yeah. It's not really an issue. But people are just going to be missing out on the bass tracks and the rhythms when I go to solo, man.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Paul, you had a couple of a couple of different times over the course of this interview express direct curiosity about just sort of how. Yeah. Now, Kyle had mentioned that he has only been a lead player uh, since the inception of this band. The band's only really been about, around for about three years. Now, Homeboy over here has worked his tail feathers off to be able to develop a lot of the lead chops uh, that you see featured on Glory of the Order and on Cult. But one of the things that was sort of a natural product, both of um, him needing to acclimatize to being a lead player, as well as just what we thought made sense for our music, was rather than... um, you know, like, and I don't get me wrong. We listen to a lot of bands that showcase absolutely unbelievable talent mm-hmm. on their guitars, and we are powerfully, we're humbled by them, and we right. admire them tremendously. But we try to make a point of having. Bold, bold, singable melodies mm-hmm. in our music. That is, that's a point of, of personal pride, and it's something that we've devoted a lot of time and a lot of craft into. You want to make sure that someone can come away from a song that we've made, and they, they can identify it by a melody that they've heard in the song.
0: And you're doing a good job of that. Uh, I, <clears throat> I will say, and, and for everybody listening, I, as always, I'll drop all the links. So I would strongly encourage people to, to check out Pathos and Logos. Um, a couple of right. more things here. Uh, I wrote in my notes, love song. Why? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs>
1: why? <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. I guess why love song, you know, <clears throat> As an instrumental band and as Paul was just talking about, we're always looking for that memorable melody line and love song, when we got to thinking about it, is one of those songs that regardless of how old you are, how young you are, when you hear the song, even without words, you know, that, you know, this song, um, a lot of people come up and they think that we wrote that song to tell you the truth. They're like, I have, that's amazing. I love that song. (laughs) Uh, whereas there are people from prior generations that instantly recognize it, that have just never heard it presented the way we have. And, uh, you know, like you don't have to worry about the Vince Neal effect or anything right. like that, where your singer's like <laughs> old and fat and falling off the stage. Because I tell you what, I'm going to play the melody line perfect every single time. Right. That's right. And uh, and you, it, you can instantly identify what song it is and then sing it back to right. us. Right. And we just thought that it would be a strong choice simply because of that. We do a couple other songs that we haven't released. That's um, right. Like we have a Kill Switch Engage cover that we did, we've got a Sleepwalk cover that we did. Oh, Santo and Johnny's Sleepwalk. Walk. That's okay. Right. Yeah.
0: Cool. Just um, keep them. Keep them in our pocket. Right. But but love song. Right. When I was thinking about it afterwards, it's it's not a a big leap from say that late eighties early nineties goth period to to some of the 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 feel right. Not necessarily the technical elements of the music, but the feel right. The mm-hmm. the the pathos part of what you're doing, I think, is is very much similar the energy is is similar so so it does make sense when i when i go back and listen to it um why does uh doc Coyle think you guys are so cool (laughs) uh we
1: think doc is cool too Uh, well he's very cool that's
0: for sure (laughs) yeah
1: um you know what we go we go pretty far back with doc at this point Mm -hmm. um i met doc when i was uh living and working in new jersey i was working at tracks east recording studio back in the day which is actually how paul and i met um i did a bunch of big records while i was working there we did the god forbid four record did the black dahlia murder miasma nocturnal records uh yeah, uh, geez, who else? The Human okay, Abstract, in this moment, in this moment, abstract right? a bunch of, cord, of big bands. The Walls of Jericho. Walls Jericho, wow. yeah. Cool. And uh, Paul came in as a session drummer, and that's how Paul and I met. But all that to say, Paul's from New Jersey. The God Forbid Boys are from Jersey. Right. I worked on their record. Paul was their drum tech at a certain point in time. That's right. So
2: I worked for a very long time at a rehearsal studio in New Brunswick, New Jersey, called Big Noise. Noise with a Z. Okay. That's shout, shout to Mitch Pedersen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right, of course. And uh, so it just so happens that <clears throat> Big Noise Rehearsal is the studio that god forbid got their start at uh when, when like doc and dallas were like 15 or 16 years old and they temporarily were functioning under a different name um and so just yeah just knew those guys from from the studio and uh um, I worked for Corey Pierce on the Monsters of Mayhem 2 tour cool. in 2007. It was the first
1: tour that I ever went on was Tekken for Corey. Yeah. So. so all that to say, we've we've kept in touch with Doc over the years. And, uh, you know, Doc's... Uh, he's. I mean, you know, from leaving God Forbid and having that moment where he was just kind of moving around and then ending up at Bad Wolves, oh, taking yeah. off and doing the thing he has, uh, you know, it's hard not to admire what he's done. No, right? And uh, you know what? So we, we sent him a couple of the Pathos and Logos tracks and, uh, yeah, he played them on the podcast and was super pumped about them. Yeah. So
0: cool. Cool. So one one last thing here before I, I let you guys go <clears throat> again with the idea of success and in, in striving towards something, right? So there's there's the art part of it, and you guys I think have a really strong idea of the presentation, right? The the energy or the vibe that you want to bring to to the music and what people might experience, right? Not listen, mm-hmm. but experience when they're when they're listening to the music. But the re- the reality remains that um, you're not going to sell 5 million copies of of Cult, right? So that's just, that's just, I mean, maybe you will, I, but it, the, the odds are stacked, right? <laughs> fingers crossed. The odds are stacked against you, right? So, but, but what is the idea, right? So at the end of the day, w- w- how are you happy? Because when I think about, God forbid, you know, talking about Doc Coyle, you know, well, they had real success and then you know, it kind of fell apart because the scene kind of fell apart around that time. Um, so when you, when you look at something like that and you look at what you're trying to build, how does it, how do the, how does the puzzle fit together?
1: Uh, I'll start this one. Okay. Because I actually, I think that my answer will tie into your podcast uh, theme quite well. Um, especially with God forbid, you had mentioned how like the genre kind of changed and stuff like okay. that. Working at the recording studio, I, I get to see a lot of the in, inside stuff and What I will tell people is retain as much self-agency as long as you can into your music career, as long as you can. Uh, When you start letting other people make decisions for you or speak on your behalf or their fingers are getting into your pie, so to speak, um, you just be, you're inherently making different decisions. Um, And so it can be done. You, you can do it, you know, on your own, Paul and I have cultivated an image and a brand and uh, it, it, it's, we like it. It, We seem to find that other people like it as well. And the thing to remember is you don't have to go out and, you know, hire somebody to do all this stuff for you. You can can do it it yourself.
2: And I, I would also, I would add to that, the fact that Kyle and I, you know, we've been in the game for a long time, and we've kind of almost been on the periphery, you know, we and so uh had a bunch of projects, they didn't pan out the way that we intended. But now that we're here. And now that we're the ages that we are, Mm -hmm. we're viewing what we're doing through a different lens. Would it be wonderful to sell 5 million copies? Of course it would. But you learn a little bit of humility and modesty as time goes on. And although we are obviously moving into the future, always going to work as much as we can for as
1: much as we can.
2: We're just
1: happy to be here. Now. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. we are. We're, we're definitely happy to be there, and I think that that shows and is expressed in us. You know, whenever we're interacting with our people, it, whether it's on stage or or we're, we're putting up funny videos just to interact with fans, um, we definitely prescribe to the <clears throat> what is it the the thousand true fans motto. Right. You right. know, like you had mentioned, selling five million copies that's great, but if you only get a penny from each copy that you sell, are you really doing that well? So if you've got a thousand fans that are truly engaged and really enjoy what you're doing um, and you can keep as much of, you know, the profits from that, you don't have to give it out to everybody else. It's just Paul and I, um, it's much easier to, have a prolonged life in this industry and actually kind of, you know, make a name for yourself because you got to hang around to do it. Most people, it doesn't just happen for them like that. Right. You've, you've got to keep doing it. So.
0: I think the other important part here, you know, in talking to a a lot of uh, industry people, musicians, and artists, one of the things that, that I think strikes me all the time is don't be an asshole. Right. And I think, um, Uh, That's an important thing that I don't people lose sight of for for whatever reason. But I've had the good fortune in doing this podcast of talking to cool guys like you who are open and and engaging and want to talk about this sort of stuff. Right. And so I think you're a good example of. Of good dudes who remember not to be assholes, so good on you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you.
1: We've got some buddies from Montana that refer to that as weird musician syndrome or WNS, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we, a, a crippling condition. A crippling <laughs> condition. That's right. Uh, dude, we we try not to, and we do not want to suffer from WNS. Right. That's yeah. right. That's,
0: that's, right. that's good advice. I want to thank everyone who's listening. As always, your support is very much appreciated. Please continue to like, subscribe, tell your friends. Um, And give us a rate on Apple Podcast. Uh, I will drop all the links to Pathos and Logos in the podcast description. You should definitely check them out. I think you will find something that is is interesting for you. Gentlemen, thank you very much for being on the show. It is very much appreciated.
2: Paul, it's our pleasure. Thank you, Kyle.